Our Heavenly Father, we pray in the light of what we just read, uh, we give you thanks for the way you have worked in us here to create faith and hope and love in and amongst us. Uh, And we pray now that tonight as we uh, look forward to what we'll be doing in the future here in our church, we pray that uh, you will help us to be excited about the things you're excited about, uh, to repent of the things you want us to repent of, and to love the things you want us to love. And so we give you thanks that you've blessed our church here in such wonderful ways, uh, and we pray that you might continue to do that into the future. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year, uh, the Sunday afternoons, I think I love the best of all the things we do at church, are when we have our welcome afternoon teas, uh, where we just have new people to church over to our place, and I love them. Uh, They're great, because obviously we get to welcome new people into our church family, and that's what we're on about, more than anything else, and I particularly love it when they're people who, uh, it's great when people come and have joined us and have come from another church, that's great, We, we want people to come and join us, but when I'm particularly excited is when at our welcome afternoon tea, we have people come and previously they did not know Jesus, you know, so they've come and they're in the process of coming to find Jesus here at church with us. Uh, and uh, we come and welcome them in in that way. So I love it also, though, because that's the opportunity I get to talk to people about what we're on about as a church. Uh, and what I often do is I invite old-timers along. Sorry if that offends you, that that's what you're called, but I invite the old-timers along. And often afterwards, the old-timers come up to me and say, that was great, just to be reminded what we're on about. And so because I, I find it is so easy to get distracted and forget what we're on about, I sort of figure if that's true for me and I'm the senior minister, uh, it's the case for you, who have got so many other things going on in your life as well. Uh, it's so easy to forget what it means. I think I'm going in and out, but I've got a loud voice, so we're all right. Uh, it's so easy to forget what it means to be a part of a church. So what I want to do this Sunday is take a Sunday out from looking at 2 Samuel and basically do a big welcome afternoon tea for everyone. So uh, that's what we're doing, except there's no afternoon tea and there's no welcome. No, no. So you know what I mean. Uh, I was actually really disappointed, though, on Monday when I didn't get to start writing the next sermon in 2 Samuel. I've been loving 2 Samuel so much. Thank you to the anonymous person who wrote the feedback slip last week. And I know why you wanted to be anonymous, because you didn't want other people running you out of the church, who said, Phil should preach longer on 2 Samuel. So whoever that was, I give you thanks. If you want to come and speak to me afterwards, I'll give you the chocolate bar. Uh, but that's exciting when a preacher gets told to preach longer because usually we get told the opposite uh, and so but I've been loving to Samuel but it's worth taking a week out and what we're going to do is really simple uh, first I'm going to remind us of what we're on about as a church so that's the first thing just remind us what we're on about as a church I'm going to help us sort of reset the compass so to speak that sort of thing that's the first thing but then I'm going to share some exciting new things we're hoping to do next year and uh, ask you to pray for those and uh, consider your involvement in those and so forth. So I hope that sounds okay. That's what we're going to do. So we've got a really, really simple mission statement as a church. It's up there on the screen. Uh, That's what we're on about. And really, that just tries to capture what God says in the Bible he desires for his church, for any church. There's a sense to which any church could take that mission statement and uh, make it their own because it's drawn from the Bible and what the Bible has to say. And the heart of what we're on about is that first bit, which is we are on about glorifying God. So if we go to the next slide there, Damien, we're on about glorifying God. That is why you exist as an individual. That is why you exist. If you ever have 
one of those dark nights of the soul where you're lying awake at night, you know, asking the existential questions, why am I here? Well, you don't, you just go to sleep. You know the answer. You know why you are here. God tells every human being why they are here. We are here to bring glory to God, to glorify God. That is why you exist. That's why on the opposite side, on the negative side, the essence of sin is to not give God the glory. So so the heart of sin is to ignore or reject the God who made you to glorify him. So people think, oh, sin is, is sort of this list of do's and don'ts. But no, the essence of sin, they're just the symptoms of sin. The essence of sin is to ignore or reject the God who made you for his glory. Because we are made to glorify God. But that's not just our individual reason for being. That is why God brought you into the church as well. And that is God's desire for you. The reason God has saved a people for his very own, the reason he sent his son Jesus to die for us, to make a people who bring them together, the reason he calls us together as his family is to bring glory to him. That's why he does it. One of the things that excites me the most when I see it in people is when I see Christians have a sort of a Copernican revolution. You know what a Copernican revolution, remember Copernicus? You don't remember him, he was like 500 years ago. But yet he was the guy that discovered that, or, or at least told people, that the earth rotates around the sun rather than the sun rotates around the earth. So there you go, you've got a science lesson. You weren't not banking on that tonight, but there you are. But I love it when Christians have an equivalent revolution. And you see it when they have it, when they realise, I am not the centre of the universe. And I am not the centre of God's plans for the universe. I am not the most important person in the world. God is the centre of God's plans for the universe. And he has made me to bring glory to him. That's why we are here. When we realise that, when we're not the centre of God's plans, when we stop thinking ourselves as the centre of the universe, that is the most wonderful moment. Because you actually understood reality for the first time. You exist to glorify God. Our church exists to glorify God. In the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesied about God bringing together his people from wherever they were around the world. And this is what he says. It's up on the slide or it's on, the, on your uh, outline. He said, Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone called by my name and created for my glory. And he was talking about Israel in the first instance, the scattered people of God in the Old Testament. But that is true of the church. We are, you are, a son or a daughter of God and God has created you and gathered you to live your life for his glory. Look at how Peter talks about how Christians should live. He says, if anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. See, that is why we exist as individuals and as a church. When you work, God wants you to do it in such a way that you bring the glory to him. When you play, when you sleep, when you eat, whatever you do, we aim to bring glory to God. That is why we exist, both by what we do and how we do it. Because most fundamentally, we glorify God, we bring him the glory by responding to Jesus 
the way God wants you to. You cannot glorify God without Jesus. The the New Testament tells us the, the fundamental way you glorify God is by recognizing Jesus for who he is, trusting him and living your life for him. So you're made to glorify God and the way you do that is by living for Jesus. The New Testament is actually very, very simple. And so as a church, we glorify God by doing the things that Jesus calls on us to do. That Jesus says, this is why I've made you. This is why I've gathered you. And so our mission statement attempts to crystallize that into three different areas. And so I'm going to talk about each of them briefly in turn. So first of all, we glorify God by proclaiming Jesus. In the book of 1 Peter, we're given this incredible picture of what we are as the church. Uh, It's up on the slide. Put it up. Thanks, Damo. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. It says, but you, so about you, us collectively, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. That is what I call the great hidden reality of the church. People out there looking at the church and they say, that's a group of people who are a bit out of touch and a bit out of date and following some ancient belief. Uh, and, and, you know, and for us, we look around, and no disrespect to you, we look around, we go, that's a pretty ordinary group of people there, you know, pretty standard. And if anything, we see the faults even more. Because out in the world, you, you don't hang around with people who wrong you. You just ignore them and you shun them. And out in the world, you sort of say, well, if I don't want to be your friend, I'll just ignore you. I want anything to do with you. Or I'll just make you a Facebook friend, which is the next best thing. You you know, uh, because you don't have anything to do with them in reality. But you see, in the church, we bring together, we come together across all our differences. That is the miracle of the church. So the world looks in and says the church is this unimpressive thing. God says, that is my greatest work. I created the universe with a word. But that group of people and any group of people gathered together by their common faith in Jesus is my greatest work. That is my possession. That is how highly God values the church. But God says, yes, that is my most prized possession. That is my people. And he says, I have pulled them together for a purpose, for a reason. I hope you see it there. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why has God chosen us? Why has God redeemed us? So that we might declare the praises of him. That's why he's done it. To put it another way, so that we might glorify him by proclaiming Jesus. That's why God has made us his church. That's why we exist. And in a way, it doesn't matter who you proclaim it to. The audience doesn't really matter. The point is we've been made to proclaim the praise of God, to declare the praise of God. So we declare God's praises to each other. That's what we've been doing for the first half hour tonight. We sing, when we pray, we we declare God's praise. When we read the scriptures, we declare God's praises to God. When we pray and we sing, we declare to him how wonderful he is and how glorious he is. But most importantly, and what Peter was thinking of in that passage, we declare God's praises to the world. That's what we do. That's why we exist. We proclaim Jesus to the world. We tell anyone who will listen what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. 
Now, I just want to pause at this point. I want to invite you individually to commit yourself or to recommit yourself to that part of our mission. Just to take a moment to actually say, yes, I want to be involved in proclaiming Jesus to our world. I think every follower of Jesus wants to tell people about Jesus, or at least wants people to know about Jesus. If you don't, then I don't think you're a Christian. It's as simple as that. If you don't desire for other people to know Jesus, then you don't know Jesus. You, you can't know Jesus and not desire other people to know Jesus. It just That's like a mathematical impossibility. So it's not possible for there to be a Christian who says, I'm not on about proclaiming Jesus. That's, that's like a null set. I've been helping Sam with his year eight maths. That's a null set. There's no one in it. Christians who don't want to tell people about Jesus. We all agree we want to. But it is just so easy for it to slip off our agenda, isn't it? And just slip down the priority list. We can talk a lot about evangelism. We can talk about how I'm a part of a church that puts proclaiming Jesus right at the centre of what we do. But that is all just words if every one of us, because we are the church, if every one of us is not repenting of our timidity and looking for and praying for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. I've talked many, many times about how a great strength of our church is what you might call structured evangelism. Uh, I am convinced, and other people who come to our church from elsewhere confirm this for me, I am convinced that our church is the best church in Sydney at getting people who come through our doors to meet Jesus. Everyone who comes through, comes through Jitterbugs, comes through Kids Plus, comes in on a Sunday, we say, come and do Christianity Explained and come and meet Jesus. And, and if people don't do that, it's because they don't want to. It's not because they haven't been asked. I think we do a great job at that. And do you know that every week of the year, I find this incredible, every week of the year, there is someone, at least one person, doing Christianity Explained in our parish. On a Thursday morning or on a Tuesday morning or on a Tuesday night or on a Sunday afternoon. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. Every week of the year, there's someone doing Christianity Explained. We are very good at that. And inviting the people who come in through other ways to meet Jesus and decide whether they want to trust in him. But God wants every one of us to be praying for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. We're not a church that proclaims Jesus because Kevin runs Christianity Explained on a Sunday afternoon. We're a church that proclaims Jesus because you invite someone to come and do Christianity Explained and go with them and sit with them because you with someone at work say would you like to read the Bible with me and investigate the claims of Jesus God wants every one of us involved in this not just shouting yay my church does it God wants every one of us to be involved in proclaiming Jesus imagine if every member of our church was consciously looking for and praying for and taking opportunities to explain Jesus to people. That is when we will have lived out this aim. That's when it'll be time to say, well, what's the next thing we're going to work on? So we've got a while to wait just yet. Glorifying God by proclaiming Jesus. Next part of our mission statement, thanks Damien, is we glorify God by growing disciples. Do you know, I was looking back over this year, I was being a bit nostalgic and going back through everything we've done, and I think my highlight of this year 
was in term two when we thought about how to grow as Christians. I think that was my highlight. And when we had those three weeks on a Sunday where we talked about how to read your Bible, how to pray and how to commit to the fellowship. And we had that whole term in our gospel teams thinking practically about how do you grow as a Christian. And the reason that was my favourite time and they were my favourite three sermons. When you're the preacher, you can't really say what your favourite sermons are. You sound like you're giving yourself a rap. But the reason they were my favourites is because people after those sermons didn't come up to me and say, gee, thanks for that great talk, Phil. That was really helpful. And just leave it at that. People come up to me and said, I am reading the Bible more because I'm taking this practical step of I've come up with a Bible reading plan. Or I am praying, I've made a conscious decision to get up half an hour earlier and pray every morning. Or I've decided to change my timetable so I can be more regularly committed to fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters. See, because that is how we grow. That's why we spent that whole term on it. That is how we grow. There's no tricks to growing disciples of Jesus As we read the scriptures, as we dwell on them, as we pray, as we meet together to be encouraged by one another, that is how we grow. And that's why everything we do as a church is about those three things. If you want us to be on about other things, probably not the best church for you. Everything we do as a church is about those three things, bringing the word of God to bear on people, giving people the opportunity to meet Jesus in the word of God, encouraging people to pray, and encouraging people to spend time in fellowship with one another. That's what we're on about as a church, because that's how we'll grow in faith and knowledge and love for Jesus and for one another. Sadly, I think too many Christians forget that. Too many Christians, if you'll excuse my poetic language, but you're used to it from me, too many Christians wallow in stagnation. This is my experience of Christians over the years. Too many Christians wallow in stagnation. I've told you before, when Victoria and I became Christians uh, and we went to church and we went to an evening congregation, much like this one, but a lot smaller, and and everyone there was fired up for Jesus, and we went and visited the morning congregation because we were getting older and we thought maybe we should go to the morning congregation. And and we went there and we went home after one visit. I've just realised someone from that old morning congregation might listen to this recording, but anyway, who cares? Um... Uh, and we went home and we made a vow to each other we will never let each other become like that living off the fat of our growth in the past and just like the gospel is something you fit in around the rest of your life and these people they weren't committed to they were there one week in two and and they, they they weren't really in a Bible their Bible studies met once a month because you know we're busy taking the kids to sport and all that sort of thing You see, too many Christians wallow in stagnation. Too many Christians, they know that they are saved by Jesus. They learnt that in youth group or back when they were at uni or when they went on that camp or whatever it was. But now they live off the fat of that growth that happened when they were a young Christian, limping along, not really desiring to become the person God wants them to become. And just to warn you, you don't have to be 35 or 40 or 45 for that to happen. Especially if you've come through a Christian family and you grew up in youth group, you can be 19 and wallowing in stagnation. And I want to say to you tonight, that is not God's desire for you. God wants you to grow. Look at what Paul prays. It was what we read before in Colossians chapter 1. Look at what it says. This is his prayer for all Christians. This is what God wants. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, 
we have not stopped praying for you. And we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. There in those verses, that is what God wants for you. So if you're having another one of those dark nights of the soul, you've already answered the existential question, why am I here? Glorify God. Then you think, oh, but what's God's plan for my life? Well, there it is. That is God's plan for you, that you might grow in your knowledge of him and that that might lead you to live a life worthy of him. That's it. That is what God wants for you. The only question is, is that what you want for you? See, we know what God wants for you. The question is, is that what you want for you? Is that what I want for me? So I want to invite you, second thing tonight, I want to invite you to recommit to growing as a disciple of Jesus. If you are someone who has stagnated, I want you to recommit to growing. First of all, to growing yourself, but then out of that, and more importantly, commit to encouraging these other people around you to grow as well. Do you know, I think the Wednesday night gospel teams here, as part of 630 Church, I think they are just incredible. If you're not a part of a gospel team and you come to this congregation, I can't help you. I've got nothing else for you. Because they are incredible. What an opportunity to come and eat with and study the Bible and pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That is how you will grow as a Christian, by being committed to the fellowship, the word and prayer. Well, last prong of our mission statement. If we go to the next one, thanks Damien, is that we glorify God by serving together. The verse I read out at every welcome afternoon tea is this one. If we can pull it up. Thanks, Damien. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the verse I read out to any new person who's come and joined our church. Now, why do I read that verse out, do you think? There's two reasons. Kills two birds with one stone. First reason is... Is there ever, has there ever been a verse that more clearly sets out what we believe and the message we preach, the gospel we preach? That God has sent his son into the world to die for us. That is what we're on about. That's what we want to tell people about. That defines who we are as a church. God has sent his son to pay the price for our sin, to take the punishment that we deserve. That is the gospel. But the reason, the second reason I choose that verse is, is it shows us and reminds us that Jesus didn't just do that for us, he did that as an example for us as well. See, what that verse does is it explains the gospel we believe, but it also explains the essence of the Christian life and what it is to be a part of his church. The very essence of walking in Jesus' footsteps, of being one of his disciples, is to serve, to serve Jesus and to serve others. First and foremost, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I want to say to you tonight, God has given you gifts. That's what he's done. It's funny, there are some of us who who perhaps have an overestimation of our gifts. There are some people who, when asked to say, these are my gifts, come up with all sorts of things, and you're sort of thinking, well, I don't want to tell you, but actually that's not your gift. But, But for many Christians... It's like we think, oh, I don't have that many gifts. 
I'm not gifted like that person and that person and that person. That is not true. God has given you gifts. The scriptures say that is true, so it's true. And God wants you to use them to encourage other people, to build other people up, to see people come to know Jesus and then grow in their knowledge and love of him. And so the question is, what are your gifts? And then how are you using them to grow disciples of Jesus? So I want to say to you, can you teach children? Can you visit people and read the Bible with them? Do you have gifts of administration? Are you gifted in the dark arts of photocopier maintenance? I could value your help. What are your gifts and how are you going to use them to serve? I'm going to tell you something now that I told our morning congregations this morning and I wasn't going to tell you tonight, but I'm going to now. And I'm, I'm telling you that this because you mightn't see it, uh, because you're a part of it. God is doing an incredible work here in this congregation. Zach can tell me if I'm wrong, but 25 or 20 years ago, five or six people met here and said, we need an evening congregation. And because there were so few of them, they couldn't meet in here, they went and met over there in the hall. So five or six people met and said, we, need an evening. we haven't got an evening congregation, we need to pray about it and start it. And then over time that grew a bit and then it shrank a bit and it grew a bit and it shrank a bit. And we went down to the bank in the hope we'd grow more and it grew to 50 and then really 80 people each week on a really big night, 100 people. And we had this capacity to grow and then by God's providential hand, we weren't allowed to meet in the bank anymore. And what happened? Suddenly things went up and grew when we didn't have the room to fit them all in. And do you know, a few weeks ago, there were over 150 people here on a Sunday night and it wasn't a confirmation, it wasn't a baptism, it was just a normal Sunday night with Joe Average preaching. And, and there were 100, it might have been Troy, no, sorry. Um, and, and there were over 150 people crammed in here. That is a miracle. You don't realise it because you're part of the miracle, but that is a miracle. But what I'm most excited about, and this is why I was hesitant to share this with you here, and I shared it with the morning congregations, a bit like, remember in 2 Corinthians, when Paul shared about the Macedonians' generosity to the richer Corinthians to challenge them to be more generous. Uh, I am most excited about the way you serve. I am convinced, and I've done some looking at other churches and asking other ministers around the place, I am convinced that the percentage of people in this congregation who serve, and I'm talking in self-sacrificial extra time ways, I'm not talking about reading the Bible on a Sunday night or handing out snacks at the door, they're important and don't get off those rosters if you're on them, we need them, but they don't take anything from you that you didn't otherwise have, it's, it's how to serve without doing much extra, you know. I'm talking about real self-sacrificial giving up my time beyond Sunday night service. The percentage of you that are involved in that sort of service is the highest percentage of any congregation I've ever been a part of or I'm aware of. I praise God for you guys. It's incredible. Think about it. You basically, with some help from some people in the morning congregations, you run two kids plus groups on weekday afternoons. You run a booming youth group on a Friday night. You run, not one like most churches have, but three kids' churches on a Sunday morning. And we're about to sort of quietly help a fourth. Isn't that a, that's a miracle. That, that's amazing. God has done an amazing work 
in and through this congregation. And as I said, I shared that this morning so that the morning congregations could give thanks for it, but also as a little bit of a challenge to them. And I share it with you, not so you get all proud and say, oh, Phil told us we're great. Uh, and notice I give thanks to God, not to you. That's what you should always do. That's what Paul does. Give thanks to God for people rather than give thanks to them because it's for God's glory, not for ours. But I want to say, keep it up. Because that is what a church is meant to do. That is what a church is meant to be. And I want to say to others here who perhaps aren't a part of that yet, why don't you join in? Why don't you join in? So that it might inspire you to say, what gifts do I have? How will I serve? I always find it a little sad when people who work doing amazing things out in their secular jobs, you know, operating on brains and, you know, running businesses or teaching kids in a classroom, which is harder than operating on brains, I think, uh, having taught scripture. Um, when people do all these amazing things in their secular job and then you ask them, what do you do in your church? And they say, I hand out the weekly snacks. God has given you these incredible gifts. Don't just use them to make money. Use them to serve. Use them to grow disciples. So I want to say, what are your gifts? Could I teach scripture? Could I be involved in Kids Plus? Could I go and visit people and read the scriptures with them and pray with them, older people? Could I meet with younger Christians to disciple them? Could I meet with other people and be discipled if you're at that point? God has given you gifts to the building of his body. It's up to you to use them how God wants you to. Come back to Mark 10, 45. I'll read it again. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is the gospel and that is the example we're meant to follow. We're going to pause and sing now. I think we're going to sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross about Jesus paying the price for us. And then after that, I'm going to share four other exciting things that are happening next year. So uh, that's what we'll do after we sing this song. So I want to just share uh, some things that are happening next year. So next steps for us as a parish. I'm sharing them with you. One, so you can pray for them. Uh, that's a big thing. But two, so you can think about yourself and your involvement. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, our three new MTS apprentices, Ministry Training Strategy Apprentices next year, which is these three lovely people. There you go. So, uh, so Rick, Jess and Natani. I realised how hard Natani's surname is to say this morning when I had to share it with people who don't know him, you know, and that sort of thing, and I said it three different ways. Um, but I'll, I'll learn that over the two years of his MTS. One of the things we are most passionate about, don't they scrub up better on photos? That, anyway, no, um, uh, one, sorry, Tani. Uh, one of the things we are most passionate about is raising people up and sending them out. You know, the number of people we have over the last 15 years or whatever sent out who come through, been trained up, and then we've sent them out of the mission field or into ministry and other churches in Sydney is wonderful, and that is great. That is what we should do as a church. Uh, because we want to see the kingdom grow, not just our kingdom grow. Uh, and so for next year, three people have decided to uh, really make quite a sacrificial decision to step aside from their secular job, uh, to be trained for a lifetime of ministry, God willing. Uh, and they're going to join. We've got, we've got some other people who are students and so forth. People like Tom 
and, uh, and Avril, who are part-time students, sort of MTS sort of people. Uh, I can't find Tom. He hasn't even turned up. There he is at the back. There you go. Uh, you know, but these guys are coming on board with MTS next year. Uh, and I think that is wonderful. And it's one of the most important things we do. And so I want you to be praying for these guys uh, as they do that. Uh, I also want you to take that into account, to be very frank, as you work out your giving for next year. It's going to be a big step up to take these three guys on in addition to all the other things we do. So I want you to take that into account in your giving for next year. Uh, and if you want to support them now, you could put a gift in marked new MTSs or just MTS. You put that in the box or you could uh, do that through the electronic giving. Make sure you give it to the new account, not the old account, or it'll go nowhere. Uh, but I want you to be praying for those guys. It's so exciting. Uh, and that's the first thing I want to share with you about next year uh, for Rick and Natani and Jess. Second thing I want to share, a little while back, Anna Rostevsky, who's known to many of you, she's now going to get all embarrassed because I've mentioned her by name, she sent me a message and she said, I've got something on my heart that I've been thinking about and it matched also with something I'd been thinking about and a couple of other people had as well and she was really burdened by the fact there are just so many people in our area who come in from other nations and uh, don't yet know English and don't yet know Jesus, more importantly. Uh, and so she thought, how could we serve them by showing them love, by teaching them English, but also showing them even greater love by trying to introduce them to Jesus. And so Anna got together with Jana and this group of people here, up on the screen from across several of our congregations, and they've been off getting trained. Uh, and the idea is we're going to start up uh, an English teaching ministry, basically, next year. It's going to be on a Friday here at St. James during the day. Uh, and uh, people are going to come along, uh, be taught English. They'll also hear the Bible as a part of that. Uh, and then we're going to have an easy English Bible study that connects to that so that people can go further and, God willing, come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And I just think that is a wonderful ministry uh, of sort of word and deed, if you like. We're showing God's love to people in what we do by providing that service for them, but we're also showing God's love by telling them about Jesus. Uh, and so please be praying for that. But there might also be people who want to be a part of that, uh, whether by serving or even more. We've got people in our congregation for whom English is their second language, uh, in particular in our morning congregations. And my hope is that some Christians will come and, and be the first people who are a part of that. And they'll learn English. But more than that, they'll be Christians sitting alongside non-believers and welcoming them in in that way. And it's a great first step for people into church before they then... Uh, God willing, enter the true church by coming to faith in Jesus. Uh, so I'm excited about that. You might have neighbours who you can invite along, bring along with them, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, be praying for that. Third slide. I don't have a picture for this one, so you just get the, that one. Uh, at the moment, we have two great opportunities in our parish where, where sort of waves are breaking, if you like. And one, we are grabbing with both hands and, and doing well with. And one, we are sort of like a St George rugby league player trying to tackle a Canberra Raider. We're just missing, you know. <laughs> We're just missing it badly. Uh, the first opportunity is here, as this congregation keeps growing, and that is wonderful. Uh, and our problem here is we're too big. Uh, and so on a big night, as you know, we don't have any chairs left. We don't have any space left. And most people, when they come into church, 
sit one per every second chair in most churches you go into. You people are wonderful on a hot day like this, the way you all sit together and that sort of thing and show your love in that incredible way. Uh, But if we're going to grow, we need to expand the capacity of this building. And so we've got plans to do that. Uh, We've got plans uh, that hopefully in the first half of next year, we're going to do some building work on this building. We might have to meet in the school for a couple of months while we do that. Uh, And uh, the idea is to expand the capacity of our building here. But even there, we can't expand it very much. Uh, And even if we expanded it, we'd just fill it again pretty quickly. Uh, Because human beings, being what we are, we'll just spread ourselves out a bit and take up the extra space. Uh, But more than that, hopefully, more new people will come and join. But we'll fill it pretty quickly. Uh, The other place where we're seeing so many people come to find out about Jesus is actually in our Bexley North congregation. Uh, And so we've sort of got this problem. We've got two really big congregations here and at the school at Carlton. is our other very big congregation in terms of numerical size. Uh, But we've got all these people coming to Bexley North. And to be perfectly frank, we don't have enough committed Christians there as a part of that congregation to actually take the wonderful opportunities that are happening at Bexley North. So here's the plan. Uh, In addition to getting that building work happening here at St. James, mid-next year, I want us here, along with, with the 1030 congregation at Carlton, to send 20 or 30 people from here and there to Bexley North to start our sixth congregation uh, on a Sunday afternoon. So the idea, at this stage, still working out the details, at this stage it'll be at like 4.30 in the afternoon, a second evening congregation. And the idea is that those people will go there from here and from the Carlton congregation, will go there with the aim of being involved in the ministry at Bexley North and joining in with the existing people there in the Wednesday night gospel teams that happen up there and the Christianity Explained that runs and the reaching out to the community there through various ministries. And I would love it if people here might consider whether you want to be a part of that new initiative and that new congregation we're aiming to start on a Sunday afternoon at Bexley North. The idea is Jason will be the pastor of that congregation, but I'll be preaching there. Uh, If you're already preaching three times on a Sunday, what's four between friends? Uh, Now, there there are some people who I'm thinking of tapping on the shoulder for that, but if that excites you and you're interested in that, uh, come and talk to me or come and talk to Jason about it. Uh, if you think, yeah, I might like to be a part of that. But I just want to say one thing there, and that is, uh, if you want to go to that because the time suits you better, you're not welcome. Uh, we only want people going and being a part of that who are going because they say, I've got gifts I want to use to serve. If you just want to go and sit in a pew, well, there aren't pews, so you can't find one, so there you go. But if you just want to go and sit in a seat at Bexley, no, just stay here, and we'll keep challenging you to get out of your seat and serve here. But, but we, only, we need people who want to say, I want to go and make that my ministry. I want to really throw myself in, boots and all, and serve God using that opportunity. As I say, there are some people I'm thinking of having a tap on the shoulder and saying, you're interested in being a part of that. Uh, but if you think, do you know what, I would like to be a part of that, uh, then come and talk to me. Uh, and my thought is, if we sent 20 people out from here, we'd fill up again very, very quickly anyway. Uh, but those 20 people could do a great work up there at Bexley North. That's the third thing. Fourth thing, please uh, take out the blue piece of paper uh, out of your outline, uh, out of your weekly snack. To really kickstart next year, we're going to do something we haven't done for a couple of years. 
Uh, and then we're going to have our parish-wide big day out. Uh, and that is so that we can get people together across all our congregations for one Saturday in the year where we pray for everything we do as a church, where we hear Bible teaching, where we encourage one another, we get spurred on. And that's a great encouragement, if I can say. It is wonderful, a wonderful encouragement to the people who are part of our smaller congregations to have people from this congregation come and, uh, and encourage them in that way. So it's going to be at Danebank on Saturday the 25th of March. Sorry if you went to school at Danebank and that brings you back nightmares. You know, that's a, but we're going to have it at Danebank. We've got our bishop, Peter Lynn, is coming to speak. Uh, God willing and CMS willing, we're going to have the Turners with us from Tanzania for the day and we're going to be hearing from them over the course of the day. Uh, we'll be hearing from people across all our different congregations and ministries and praying for that. And so I'm announcing it now because I just want everyone to be there. I'm always amazed when we have this sort of thing where the week before someone hasn't signed up and I say, oh, are you coming? And they say, oh no, I've got this on. And I go, well, how can that be more important than this? Uh, so I'm telling you now. So unless you've already got something booked on the 25th of March, in which case move it, because <laughs> you've got six months, no, how many months? Five, four months, five months maybe, I don't know, I can't do math. Um, you've got that time to move it and you've got that time to have it in your diary. And if you don't have a diary, go and buy one please and write it in. <laughs> Uh, and so you can't have anything else on that day. So sport, not as important. Birthday parties, not as important. Cousin's wedding, not as important. Immediate family, I might give you a dispensation card. Sign, but even better, sign up now, because I just noticed there's an early bird price. Never miss a good deal. So sign up now for the early bird rate. But this day is so important, so I'm sort of half joking, but I'm actually serious. Uh, I really want every person who calls themselves a member of our church to be at that day. That's how important it is. Uh, so there are forms in your snack. You can fill it out or you can get online and do it straight away. Uh, I, they wanted to, Troy and Kevin wanted to do it all online. I said, but I need a form and there's people like me. So there you go. There are four things I'd love you to be praying for and considering for next year. In a moment, Troy is going to come and lead us in prayer and pray for those things. Before they do, I'm going to close in prayer for this part, before he comes and prays again, using uh, Peter's prayer. Well, Peter's words at the end of 2 Peter uh, that really capture what we want. So if you put those up on the speed, 2 Peter 3 verse 18, I'm going to pray in the light of those verses. So please join me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that each person here and that we collectively might truly grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we pray that not as an end in itself, but so that Jesus might be glorified in us and through us, both now and the day of eternity. And we pray this in his name. Amen.